I saw a human example of Jesus's sacrificial offering to us, where he says, I have done it, like I've given you everything. I offer you myself 100% unabashedly, I am here, but I'm not gonna force you into a relationship with me because I am a gentleman, because you have a, you have a voice and you have a choice. Happy New Year from Altered Stories. Here's your host, Michelle Saunders-Gutch. Happy New Decade, friends. And welcome to my 26th episode, Brandy's Story. This is Michelle Saunders-Gutch and host of this podcast show. I'm the CEO and founder of Altered Stories Ministry, a faith-based nonprofit located in Overland Park, Kansas, that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them. Thanks for listening to today's show. Just a few words before we get started. I'm excited to share that we now have over 1,100 listeners and a great guest lineup this year in our pipeline of women that have amazing and inspiring God stories that they are ready to share. I also want to, again, thank those who are listening to our women's stories and to Michael Blaze with Kadosh Media, Christopher Wright, who does our podcast editing too, and Deanna Williams with Pensador Productions for helping make each podcast episode special. I'm also excited to share that Altered Stories Ministry has been blessed to be highlighted as a nonprofit in the February Her Life magazine issue next month. For those that are listening today that live in Kansas City, please be on the lookout for this new issue magazine and our article. Special thanks to our volunteer and former podcast guest Vicki Sings for her help with writing this article. Also, I'm still looking for a sponsor to sponsor some expenses to help me attend the Spark Christian Podcast Conference in Houston, Texas next month. I have been blessed to have a few step up to help with some of the expenses. If you have an interest in helping me out, this is what your sponsorship will get you. It will get you promo and advertising on my future podcasts and on the Altered Stories Ministry website and our social media platforms. For more information on the sponsorship opportunity, you can reach out to me on my website at www.alteredstories.org or you can email me at msaundersgetch at gmail.com. msaundersgetch at gmail.com. Com. So, enough of that. Let's get this show started. Today, I am super stoked to introduce my special guest, Brandy Gable. Brandy is the host of the Road Home to You podcast, where she talks with her husband, Matt, and guests about finding hope and faith in Jesus when you've been wounded by others or afflicted by life's circumstances. She's also a women's retreat speaker and leads the recovery ministry at her home church in Sandy, Oregon, where she lives with her husband and two almost fully grown children, two dogs and an apathetic cat. Today, she is going to share with us her God's story of loss, humility, redemption, and healing. Now, isn't that amazing? So, good morning, Brandy. How are you today? I am so good. It's so good to be a part of your show today. I'm so honored that you asked me to come on and to share uh, the amazing redemptive work of God. So, Brandy, is there anything else today that you'd want to share with the listeners that I've already shared before we get into 
the deep conversation that we're going to have? Uh, you know, I am probably one of the most transparent, open, honest people you're ever going to meet. I, I thrive on deep conversations and small talk really is hard for me. Um, on the Enneagram, if, if any of your listeners are familiar with that, I'm a four. And so I like to just go deep immediately. And sometimes that's off-putting for people. But fortunately, you're one of those people who also likes to go deep. So, But otherwise, um, I'm just kind of a goofball. I'm a complete nerd. I play nerd games and I watch nerd TV and I do nerdy things like cross-stitch and design cross-stitch. And uh, I'm just a, just a country girl. <laughs> Well, I love it. And I love your transparency. And I love the fact that you're real. That's the kind of guests I like. And those are my people. You are my people, Brandy. There's a lot you've shared. You've been on the Halfway There podcast. Have you been on a few others too, where you've shared your story? Yeah, I was on uh, Sean McCoy's uh, podcast, Come to the Table. I, I got to be on his show as well. I think that's it. I think it's just those two. It was fun to listen. Uh, to your interview and also to hear your podcast and what you're doing out there. But in our podcast format, of course, we always open with this big question. And that is, where does your God story begin? The, the meat of the story started when I was in my 30s, but let's back up just a little bit. And uh, I, came, I came to know the Lord when I was seven years old. I was born and raised in a home where uh, my dad had been uh, born and raised in a Mormon church. My mama was born and raised in a Catholic church. They had both turned away from their faith and were, you know, just living life. So I grew up with a lot of, a lot of guilt and legalism and shame and all those good things. And then finally, when I was seven years old, my mom took my brother and I to church and while I was at summer camp that year, uh, through a series of events, I, I met Jesus. And it was a great experience. It was a great time. And I thought, okay, that's great. I'm, I'm done. I'm saved. I'm grown. You know, thought I had all the answers pretty much until, until I realized that I didn't, which was in my 30s. But at that time, um, you know, I, I loved the Lord and I, and I loved sharing my love of the Lord with anybody who would listen. When I was a kid, and uh, and then you know I did the the typical rebellious thing when I was a teenager, and got to a point where my parents said, "Listen, you either need to clean up your act or or move out." This opportunity had come up for me to attend Youth with a Mission in uh, Lakeside, Montana, and what Youth with a Mission is, if you don't know, is a it's a discipleship training missionary school. And so it was, it was three months of training in Montana and then two months out on the mission field in Australia. And in that time, that's, that's what I decided I would do instead of moving out, which I was excited about, but also kind of scared about. And instead of cleaning up my act, because I did not want to do that, I thought, you know what, I'll go to this school where I get to travel the world and I'll just ignore God during all of that. That was my grand plan was to travel the world, do theater in this school and ignore God. And then God came and met me on the train on the way to school and said, yeah, great idea, kid. Not going to happen. Here I am. Let's sit down and talk. So with that, all of a sudden I realized I'm not going to get out of this scot-free. God's going to do some amazing things in this time. And he did in that Five months that I was a part of Youth with a Mission for the first time around was absolutely transformative. And, and so I, I came home from that and I thought, okay, great. I'm, I'm mature. I'm grown. I'm a, you know, I've arrived at this level of Christianity. And my sinful nature just has a way of creeping right into things and, and taking over. I ended up marrying who was my high school sweetheart, Matt. And uh, we had met during high school in theater. And after I got done with all of my Bible training and all of that stuff through YWAM, he and I got married. And I thought, this is it. Here I am. I'm, I'm married to the man I love. 
which all I ever wanted to be was a wife and a mom. And I had half of that, right? I was so excited because Matt was different from any guy I'd ever dated. And I had dated a lot. And there was something just different about him. And all of a sudden, he's mine, right? And it was the best thing ever. And so immediately, I wanted to start having kids. And he wasn't quite there yet. He was still trying to finish college. Shortly after we got married, uh, we were living in Utah at the time. And all of our family was back here in Oregon. And about two years into our marriage or so, my dad had a massive heart attack and died. So hard, Brandy. That's real hard. Yeah, he was one of my best friends. And, um, you know, just such a such a neat man. He had actually come to know the Lord finally when I was 10 years old. Um, my mom and brother and I were all kind of when I was in that seven-year-old range. But my dad finally got on board too and became such a such a man of God and really showed me what a godly man looks like. And And then all of a sudden, he's just gone. And then shortly thereafter, I got pregnant and then I lost that baby. And it was just, it felt like just one loss after another. And I didn't have really a good support structure in Utah. Matt was busy working and doing school and I was busy working and it just, everything felt untethered and unsafe. And finally, I got to a point where I said, listen, I'm moving back to Oregon. You can come or not. And fortunately, Matt likes me well enough that he decided to come with me, even though he wasn't done with school. So we came back to Oregon and through a series of ups and downs and all kinds of things, uh, we since been blessed with two amazing kids. You know, it wasn't without its challenges. Uh, I had really severe postpartum depression with both of them and that was horrible and I felt alone and guilty and shameful and isolated and inadequate and all of those things. Man, my heart hurts for any moms that are experiencing that because it's such a, you know, everybody's looking at this time in your in your life when, you know, there's this new little bundle of joy that, that you're supposed to just be fawning after and so in love with. And when you're in the throes of postpartum depression, I remember looking at my kids going, I don't know if I even want you right now and and feeling so much guilt about that. And it wasn't me speaking. It was my depression. It was all the imbalanced hormones and the stuff that I was dealing with from my own broken past. But, but looking at this little child who's vulnerable, they need my 100%. And, and I know that I can only give them about 5%. And it's, it's horrible. It's a terrible feeling. Yeah, I, I actually know um, several women, Brandy, just that have been very open about postpartum depression. Two of them are interested in coming on the show and talking more in detail. So, you know, what you're doing is you're just kind of segueing into a topic that I think needs to be listened to and women need to talk about. And thank you for sharing that, too. The more my my big thing is the more we talk about those kind of monsters in our lives, the smaller they get. And you know when we can name a monster and we know what it is, then we then we know how to fight it. So when you know that what you're dealing with is postpartum depression, there are tools to deal with that. But unless you're willing to to bring it out and to say this is what's happening inside me, then you're just swimming in that big sea all alone. And it is overwhelming and terrifying. So I'm, I'm all about naming our monsters in order to slay them. <laughs> yeah, well, you've named several already. So keep going, girl. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, fast forward um, to, oh gosh, I was in my mid-30s or so. And, uh, and I decided I was going to go back to school and figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. But in that kind of in that time period, I I ended up starting an extramarital affair. And and that was something that I never would have guessed for myself. I never set out to do that. I mean, I'd married my best friend. I'd married the man of my dreams. He was a good husband. He was a good father. 
We didn't, you know, he wasn't abusive. He wasn't neglectful. We had a good sex life, you know, all those things. And then all of a sudden, the door opened and I walked through it. And and walking through that door took me into a three-year affair. I thought I was protected. If anybody would have ever said to me, you're going to have an affair at some point during your marriage, I would have completely laughed them off because I thought that I was safe from that. You know, nobody sets out to become a crack addict, right? You know, it's just, but it happens because you make one choice that leads to another choice that leads to another choice. And all of a sudden you have an addiction. It's the same thing with an affair. You make one choice and that opens you up to three other choices. You know, it, you just kind of keep going down that path. And before you know it, you're in a full blown extramarital affair. Your marriage is on the rocks and you're questioning all of life's choices. And, and that's what I ended up getting to. Um, three years into our affair, uh, it all came out and, uh, and my world came crashing down. And that's really where I kind of like to spend my time, our time today, because that's really where, you know, I, I met Jesus when I was seven and we hung out, but I didn't surrender to Jesus until I was 37. And in that surrender, man, I remember because when, when I told Matt about the affair, uh, it, 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 oh man, it came out in such an ugly, horrible way that I'm not going to get into, but, but I knew that I couldn't lie. There was no way out of this. I had to just go forward and be really, really honest and confront it head on. And so I told Matt about it. And after I told him and I, it, it, you know, I'm through my tears. I'm like, this happened da, 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 and, and I'm hugging him and he's kind of hugging me back and, you know, trying to process everything that I'm saying. And finally, I just said, I have to leave. I'm, I'm going to go for a drive now. Meanwhile, we have two little kids that are wanting dinner and need baths and to get tucked in and, you know, all this stuff. And, and Matt's just been hit with this horrible news. And now I'm walking out of the house and he's standing there going, okay, one foot in front of the other, let's get dinner on the table. So he's left behind taking care of kids. I go off, go for a drive. When I came back several hours later, the kids were in bed and we sat down and we were talking and he was, he made the most, the most amazing proposition. And he said, Brandy, I love you. I've loved you since we were in high school and I'm always going to love you. And I want us to work through this. I want us to reconcile and restore our marriage, but I'm not going to force you to do that. I'm not going to fight for you to do that. I'm giving you the choice. If you want to do that, I will fight for our marriage by your side. But if you want to leave, I won't stop you. And I'm going to be just fine because I have God. And I went, what in the world? I didn't know whether to be happy by that or to be offended by that. Because what I wanted was a knight in shining armor to ride in on his white stallion and slay the dragon and whisk me into his arms and say, don't worry, I'll save you. <laughs> and that was not what he did. Instead, he said, I'm not going to fight for you. I will fight beside you if you want. But if you don't, there's the door. You're free to walk through it. And it was so bizarre <laughs> to me. But at that point, I said, okay, can I have some time to think about it? Which, what a terrible answer. I mean, how, how painful must that have been for him to hear? You know, here he's saying, you know, I love you. I, I, I want to stay together if we can. And I'm like, yeah, can I think about it for a few days? And, uh, but he did. He gave me that chance to just to think on that. Because what he had said was, if we're going to stay together, we need to get back to church. 
we need to get back to putting God in front of everything else. And I knew without a doubt that God and I were not on good terms. And I didn't want to be close to God because I'd done that thing. I had been a good Christian Bible study girl for 30 years. I knew all the right answers. I knew all the pat things to say. I I knew it all, right? I knew how to be a good Christian, but I didn't understand that there's a difference between being a good Christian and being a Christ follower and being in relationship with Christ. Huge difference. Yeah. And I was looking for, or I was expecting that, you know, that I was going to have to go back to putting on the mask and I'm a good Christian girl. And I didn't want to do that. So I told him finally, after a couple of days of, of really thinking about what do I want to do? Do I want to stay with Matt? Do I want to walk away? Which I knew meant walking away from my kids. And in this, by the way, my entire family had completely turned their back on me. uh, Those that knew about it. My best friend was so hurt and felt so betrayed that she also had kind of just cut me off. It was me, Matt and God and God felt far away and Matt was like an alien. So it was, <laughs> it was a very lonely time. And uh, so finally I went back and I said, yeah, let's do this. I, I love you. And I cannot see being married to anybody else. I can't see going through life with anyone else because you're my best friend. And we've already been through so much together. He said, great. Where are we going to go to church on Sunday? And I went, ah, oh, geez, I knew you were going to say that. And we'd had a home church, and Matt had been taking the kids to this church um, for the past three years, and I had been trying to avoid it for the most part. I knew we could go back to that church, but I also knew that there were a lot of people in that church that knew what was going on. And I didn't want the looks and the stares. So we decided to go to a church in the next uh, town over and find a big church. So we went to the biggest church we could find, uh, which happens to be a pretty big church. And, and my whole plan was we're going to walk in, I'm going to sit in the back row. And as soon as the message is over, we're going to leave. We're not going to talk to anybody. We're not going to say anything. I don't have to make eye contact with anyone. But I wasn't even sure that God was going to let me cross the threshold without striking me down you know, by a bolt of lightning because I was such a sinner. So, so we walk into this church and and our kids are with us. And my daughter was pretty upset about the fact that we were not going to be going to our regular church anymore. And so I had told her, listen, you can choose where we sit. Thinking somehow that she would know that I wanted to sit in the back row. And she was like, great. So we walk into this church, this huge church. We walk into it and she walks us straight up to the front row, right in the center. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We are not front row people. And she's like, okay, fine. But she was so upset. She moved us back one row, but we were still in the center. And she looked at me with the most defiant little seven-year-old eyes. And she said, this is as far back as we're going to go. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I guess this is where we're at. So for the next, gosh, I think we were at that church for a year and a half or so. That's where we sat. And, but for the, for that Sunday in particular, I remember because I, I, you know, I'd been out of church for a while. I wasn't listening to Christian radio or anything like that. And I remember sitting there listening to the worship portion of the service and all the music and everything. And, and the worship leader sitting at the piano. And he's staring right at me through the whole thing and just singing songs of God's redemption and grace and love and compassion and just warm embrace and, you know, all this stuff. And meanwhile, the worship pastor is looking right at me, singing all of these Jesus songs over me. And I'm thinking... What in the world is happening? And I just broke. And 
my husband and I spent probably the first two months worth of Sundays just down on our knees, weeping openly during church. In that time, I ended up getting involved. They just happened to be doing kind of a, like, uh, what is it called? Like a, a ministry festival where they were kind of showing showing everybody what ministries they offered. So I ended up talking to this little spit of a lady. She's shorter than me and I'm not even five feet. So she's shorter than me and she's got big hair and a big old Texan drawl and, and just this huge personality. And I just love her to pieces. Um, her name's Kathy Rodriguez and she was leading up the, the recovery ministry there at, at, at the church. And so I got talking to her and I was like, Hey, this is, this is what's going on. I'm, we're just coming out of an affair. I need to get to the bottom of why I do this. What is wrong with me deep down? Because I never want to go through this again. So I got involved in the women's Bible study programs. I got involved in recovery ministry. So I started off with the, the women's Bible study was so funny because it was the very first study that we were going to do. And they had these already like planned out like months in advance. The very first study we were going to do was uh, Beth Moore's When Godly People Do Ungodly Things. And, and the very next one was Beth Moore's Breaking Free. And then the next one was Beth Moore's David. And I'm thinking, well, this is a nice little progression because here we are when godly people do ungodly things. That's me. I'm, an, I'm a godly person who did ungodly things. And now I need to break free of, of whatever this sin is inside me that makes me look to some somebody or something else to fill the emptiness inside. And who knows this kind of story better than King David? So it was just this beautiful progression of learning that happened for that first year. Along with that, I was learning about, I was going through like codependency classes and um, anger management and trying to work on some addiction because, because I had a, you know, I had addiction issues as well. Man, it was just this it turned out to be like two years of full time at the church, no less than five days a week. It was, it was full time healing work that I was doing. I quit going to school. I didn't have a job outside the home. I was recovery was my job and I devoted my life to that. And in that God did amazing things. Matt and I would sit down in the evening. Uh, he happened to actually, when, when the, the affair first came out, he happened to be kind of in this weird um, transition in his job where he was, I, I think if I remember correctly, he was laid off from a job. And so he's kind of working odd jobs as he could find them and as time would allow. So we had all of this time to sit down together and really work on healing. And so we would spend hours and hours at night after the kids went down for bed and we would just talk and talk and talk. And one of the things that we talked about that was probably one of the most significant things was we went back to when we were both like our earliest memory of being hurt as, as little tiny kids. Like when did you realize that the world was an unsafe place? What was that wound where did it come from? Who inflicted it? And what was your response to it? And in talking about that kind of thing, all of a sudden, Matt went from this grown, responsible adult man who, you know, had, you know, bills to pay and a job to do and people to feed and, you know, all this stuff. He went from that down to this little tiny four or five-year-old who was scared and broken and and felt isolated and alone and all of a sudden i saw him as a vulnerable person who had very real fears and hurts and needs of his own and it took me to a position where since then as i've gotten angry with him for you know a variety of things because we're married and you know when you live with somebody you get mad at him 
but every time that there's like an offense of some kind, I, I just go back to that, that picture in my mind, a five-year-old Matt being scared and alone and hurt and, and broken and remembering he's just vulnerable. And if I was an adult seeing that vulnerable, scared little kid, I wouldn't heap shame onto him. I wouldn't heap accusations or expectations onto him. What I would do is I would, I would take him in my arms and I would say, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. I've got you. God's got you. Come on. Let's just do this together. And now that I have that picture of Matt and Matt has that picture of me, now our responses with, with each other are so much more tender and gentle than they ever even used to be. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a level of understanding that has taken our marriage to the next level. Uh, we went into counseling our home-based church that we weren't actually attending anymore after the affair had offered to pay for like three or six counseling sessions with this Christian counselor who's local. And so we went in and this was probably three months or so after the affair had come out and uh, you know, we'd already been doing a bunch of work and the counselor comes into the office and Matt and I are sitting on this couch next to each other and we're holding hands and the counselor stops short and he goes, wait a second, aren't you guys here for marital counseling? We're like, yeah. And he goes, I've never seen a couple come in for marital counseling holding hands. And we're like, oh, uh, do you want us to like stop? Like we don't, we don't have to hold hands. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 it's good. It's good. And, uh, and as we were going through our session, we got to the end of it. And he said, you guys, you've already done the hard work. And it was hard work. It was really hard work. But what God had done is given me the, the realization that the best thing I could do was to just be honest and not hide anything. Uh, you know, this was not the time for secrets and me trying to protect myself. The worst had already happened. And the best thing I could do to help save our marriage, to help us get to a point of restoration was to just get real. And so I told Matt at the start, listen, any questions you have, anything you want to know about this affair, I will answer you and I will answer you honestly, unless it's only going to hurt you. Like I'm not going to get into gratuitous details. I'm not going to talk about anything that's unnecessarily going to hurt you. If it's going to hurt you, but it, but it will be beneficial, we'll talk about it. But I didn't want to hurt him needlessly. In that moment where he said, I will fight beside you, but you're free to go. What he did was he gave me this incredible picture of Jesus. For the first time in my life, I saw a human example of Jesus's sacrificial offering to us where he says, I have done it. Like I've given you everything. I offer you myself 100% unabashedly. I am here, but I'm not going to force you into a relationship with me because I am a gentleman because you have a, you have a voice and you have a choice. And, and that's what Matt did. He gave me a voice and a choice. He's loved me and he's fought beside me ever since. I have to tell you, listening to your story, because I specifically chose not to listen to this part of your story, because I really wanted to hear it for the first time and respond to it. And I can tell you the character that your husband exemplified when he found out took incredible inner strength and godliness and such a trust in Christ. And, you know, that in is an intestment of an incredible person that can go there in their response. You know, having been a recipient of a, a man I was married to who had an affair and cheated on me, I can tell you 
it's a very painful thing to find out and to find out in a way that is degrading, quite frankly. And, you know, one of the things I didn't do at the time, which your Matt did, was to give it to the Lord and to just, you know, say, hey, he's not going to respond. He's going to walk beside you. You are free to go because everything I read about in terms of people that choose to have affairs, there is a degree of brokenness and there's things that are not being met and unmet needs, of course, in their life. And of course, it takes two. And it's also the way that the couple relates to each other in terms of their intimacy, right? Because when it, you know, you were off looking, you didn't, you, you didn't, it sounds from what you've shared, you didn't intend to get into this affair, but there was something you were responding to in this intimacy that you had in this affair that you at that time were not in that type of intimacy in your marriage. Am I correct? Yeah. In fact, when, when the affair began, I was actually helping with our youth group at the time. And at that moment, we had the guys and the girls separated for our group meeting time. And we were, t- we were each going through every young woman's battle or every young man's battle, respectively. So here I am in the midst of teaching these young women about sexual purity and the importance of surrendering our sexual nature, really, to the Lord. And all of a sudden, that's why I wouldn't have guessed it would have happened because, you know, here I am teaching about the very thing, right? And, but an opportunity popped up that met a need and it, it made me feel recognized in a way that I hadn't felt recognized by Matt. And ultimately what it came down to was I had expectations from Matt that one, I wasn't verbalizing to him. I expected him to just read my mind with my expectations. And two, they were not realistic expectations. The simple fact is there's not one person or even a group of a thousand people that is going to meet every single need that we have. It cannot happen. I could be in a room with thousands And they can all give me their very best. And I'm still going to feel some form of isolation or loneliness or need or rejection or whatever it is, right? The only one who can fill every single corner of our soul is Jesus. And I was asking Matt to be my savior. I was expecting him to be my savior, And when he couldn't meet that need, and then this other man walked into my realm and said, hey, I can't fill all of it, but I can meet this need. I was like, yes, it was like water for my soul. And it was, and he was watering a place that I didn't even know was thirsty at the time. But once I started tasting that, that what he was offering, wow, it opened something up inside of me that I didn't even know was broken. When we started going to this big church and I was in the women's Bible study, I was talking to that we had, it was a a pretty multi-generational group of women. And I had asked the leader if I could speak for just a minute because I just really wanted to share. And she knew my story and she knew where I was. And, um, you know, I'd only been in this Bible study for a couple of months, but, you know, I was kind of getting to know people and stuff. And and uh, so I stood up and I spoke to the group and I was talking, I was sharing my story with them because not everybody in the group knew my story. And, and I was, the reason I wanted to share my story was specifically aimed at the young wives that were in the room in particular, because here they are, they're fresh faced, they're new wives, new moms. They're, they're still kind of in that, the throes of like, you know, life and expectation and how things are going to look. And, you know, this was, of course, before Pinterest and Instagram and all that stuff, but we still had it all in our minds, right? Absolutely. And so I I was saying, you know, just because you think your marriage is, is good, 
it is up to you to guard your heart because an unguarded heart will walk into dark places that you didn't even know you could go to. I realized in that moment that I am fully 100% capable of doing the darkest and most depraved things. And the reason I know this is because I would have never, ever, ever, ever guessed in a million years that I would cheat on my husband. And I cheated on my husband without blinking. So if I can do that, if I can commit that kind of an offense against somebody whom I love genuinely, then what could I do to somebody who I don't really love, who I'm not in a relationship, whose well-being doesn't specifically matter to me? I could do anything to that person because I am a dark, broken, horrible, evil person without the Holy Spirit inside me. If I don't have Jesus guiding my footsteps, I will go to dark places very, very quickly. And, and I see that still, you know, today, uh, you know, I, I lead the ministry here, the recovery ministry here at our church. I'm involved in our worship team. I, I do a lot of things here with my church. I'm a part of things. But when I let my guard down for just a minute, where does my mind go? To crass jokes, to fantasies, to addictions, to whatever, you know, I immediately go down to dark places. It doesn't, I don't have to, I don't have to work to go to the lowest lows. (laughs) I have to work to stay out of that pit. And I thank you for your authenticity, because I think most Christians struggle with those things in our lives. If we allow the enemy to come in and take us down those paths, because, you know, we're all broken without Jesus. And if we don't stay in the word, we don't stay in fellowship, we don't stay in prayer, we don't stay in some kind of accountability, then it's easy to do that. I mean, there's a lot of things that are pulling at us, you know, with social media and, you know, just uh, people's nature and our pride, right, are in those things that appeal to us. So I really appreciate you coming on today, sharing what you're sharing, being so authentic, being real, you know, sharing your struggles, seeing what the redemption side looks like and how you're holding yourself accountable moving forward. Because, you know, there's lots of couples who have not made it through affairs, Brandy. I mean, there's some Christian, non-Christian. I mean, there's a lot of Christians that don't make it even in their marriages. You know, you, you don't see that kind of maturity um, that you're talking about. And the Jesus response, I mean, it's very, it, you know, that's Holy Spirit led in Holy Spirit, because as our nature, it, we're just not made that way. And, and without, you know, the Holy Spirit coming in. Is there a scripture, a resource? I mean, something that really you would like to share with those listeners that may be struggling with what you've come through? First and foremost, I would say if you're married and you're on the fence of whether or not you want to pursue this, this other person, uh, stop. Stop right there and and turn around because, you know, that, that old cliche that the grass is, is greener, you know it's not true because I can guarantee you that there are moles in the other field and that other person who you're trying to find any kind of completion from or anything like that, they are going to, they're going to let you down in the same way that your spouse has already let you down or maybe in a different way, but they're going to let you down because they're only human and they're broken and they're messed up and somewhere down deep inside is a is a wounded little kid to that end the the thing that i would say is one of the groups that i lead is called genesis process for change let's see it started out like kind of more aimed at addiction like you know alcoholism and drug addiction and stuff uh, michael dye is the author of it and he kind of transformed it to work more in 
like church groups, because, you know, as Christians, we're particularly good at putting on a mask and acting like everything is really great inside us when, when we know we're dealing with um, judgment and legalism and food addiction and addiction to social media and, you know, insecurities and all those things. So what the Genesis process for change does is it, it helps you answer the question that Paul asks, which is, why do I do the things that I don't want to do, but I do what you know what I want? You know the question I'm asking, right? I can't do the things that I want to do, but I do the things that I don't want to do. That whole conflict. Paul, uh, Genesis change groups answer that question. And so what it does is it, it really strips you back to that childhood wound. And because of that childhood wound, say when you're four or seven or whatever, whatever it was that wounded you, and it doesn't have to be a big traumatic event. It can be a little tiny thing. You know, maybe it was just like one kid on the playground said something to you. And all of a sudden that shaped how you respond because now you feel like you have to protect yourself from that kind of thinking or behavior again. So that childhood wound then develops this response that you carry with you through the rest of your life. And as you grow and as those wounds continue to get more and more extreme, your defenses get more and more extreme till suddenly you have pushed people aside, you've pushed God aside, and you're trying to lone wolf life. And we were made for relationship. We're not meant to go through this world alone. But people whom we need the most are also the people who hurt us the most. So so what Genesis Process for Change does is it really kind of takes you back to that place of where is that wound at? And now let's try to correct that wound and let God redeem that wound so that you can move forward in a healthy way and not have those same responses that, that you've developed over a lifetime. Um, and, and ultimately, the Genesis process for me was the thing out of all of the Bible studies and all of the codependency groups and all of the stuff, Genesis was the thing that for me made the most sense it got to the heart of the matter the most and really made me identify and recognize that yes there is evil inside of me but so much of it is just because this is a this is a broken world and the only way that it can be fixed is if god is allowed to be let in to redeem and restore and recover the things that the enemy has used against us Well, praise God for that. And that's the reason I started Altered Stories, Brandy. The reason, because women need emotional healing. We're broken. We've come through hard things. And until you do the hard work to get through that, you are not going to be healthy in your relationships. And you're going to broken people attract broken people. And that leads to brokenness. And so my passion, when I was able to completely heal from all the wounds and the hurts and the poor decision-making and all those things, that is when God was able to come in and restore and begin to bring me to places of healthiness, wholeness, and began to see the blessings. And I see that is what it is that he has done in you. And done in your husband in terms of learning how to be emotionally intimate, how to be all that God wants and purpose you and look at how he's taking your story and what he's doing now. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a guest on the show today. Know that um, I am going to be praying for you, praying for Matt, praying for your ministry. And I continue to really wish you great success in your podcast show and in what it is that you're doing, because it's so needed, um, you know, to see couples who've been able to be restored is such a blessing. You know, I personally never thought I could ever forgive or get into that place of forgiveness. Of course, at that point, I was walking in flesh. And I was all about me. 
you know, got to do a lot of hard work to get me <laughs> to the place now of where I've been able to, I'm learning, I'm learning so much about forgiveness and all those things that God does in you as you become closer and you mature in your faith. Well, and, and the beautiful thing, just for super quick, the beautiful thing about recovery and healing is that the the way that you know you're in recovery is because you're continuing, you're giving, you're continuing to give out of the place that you've been wounded in, you know? So, so you doing this podcast, it keeps you in recovery because you're constantly checking in with yourself and with your guests and with your team and all that stuff. So as, as you do your ministry where you're giving to others, you continue to grow and heal and God continues to restore. That is absolutely right. Amen. So if a woman or, or even a man listener wants to somehow reach out to you, Brandy, do you have a, uh, on your website a, a way to get in touch with you or what's the best way for, for someone who might want to reach out to you? Yeah, if you want to uh, speak to me directly or speak to my husband, uh, the best way to do that is to email us at roadhometoyou at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find our website is roadhometoyou.com. So it's all very simple. And, and there are links to our email and social media and stuff on that website, as well as our catalog of our all of our other shows. Please, if, if you're somebody who is hurting or, or struggling or whatever in any way, uh, whether it's to do with an extramarital affair or uh, you're struggling with depression or anxiety or addiction or whatever, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to chat with you, to pray with you, to uh, maybe help find you some resources that are local to you. Please, please reach out. I would love that. Well, thank you. Again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a guest on the show, being so authentic, sharing and blessing the listeners. So in closing, friends, do take this podcast and share it with others. Um, Check out Brandy's podcast, Road Home to You Too. And until the next show, remember, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org.